Hey, Purpose Church, great to be here. So pumped to be with you all. Uh, Pastor Glenn gave way too good of an introduction there. He is like the kindest, nicest person in the world. I wish I was more like Glenn. Uh, we laugh. I have a much more direct personality. So I'm excited to be here and be with you all for many reasons. Uh, I, I really grew up at Purpose Church. But I'm not just looking forward to coming home here. I'm also looking forward to, because right now in Indiana, where I live, it was like seven degrees when I left. Uh, If you're not living in Southern California, it has been in the 80s this week. It's beautiful, sun shining. If you want to know what it's like to not be able to feel your face when you get out of your car in the morning, move to Indiana. Uh, That's what it's like. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be with you all. Like I said, I really grew up here. I actually met my wife in Southern California in TJ Maxx in San Dimas. Come on now. Uh, And she grew up in Glendora. Her name is Lisa. We got married right here at Purpose Church. And and when we moved to Indiana to start the church, we took our first son with us. And we actually have three kiddos now. The oldest, uh, Jake, is now 13. Can you believe it? He's got like a skater hair now. And uh, our youngest two, Jenna, is nine. And then Jet right there. He, he, he will not smile for a photo. Like, this is the best we can get, man. That's it. It's going out on the Christmas cards this year. That's all we got. Uh, but he's a, he's a joy. He's going to turn seven here in April. And uh, yeah, kids are growing up. A lot of life change is happening. Uh, you all have had a lot of life change, too. It's so cool coming back. For, for those that don't get to attend physically, like the outdoor campus is so cool now. And then I got a tour of what's happening in the worship center. Dude, it is so awesome. Like, I can't believe it. I, I begged uh, Glenn 15 years ago, 15 years ago to do that project. It is finally happening. If you gave to that project, thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see how many people come to Christ because what is happening here. It is going to be the coolest thing ever. And, you know, we've now renovated three, soon to be four church buildings with all the churches we've planted in Indiana. And we've had every single construction project go over by four months, every single time. So you guys are right on schedule here. I know it's going to be opening up in the coming months, and I'm just pumped and excited. What an opportunity to spread the gospel when that thing opens up. It's an easy invite for a friend or family member. But I'm here today. And I've got a special message that I feel like God has laid on my heart. You know, I don't know about you, but what I've noticed over the last two years, we've endured a lot of trauma with a global pandemic and everything else going on in our culture. And, and this morning's sermon's not about that, but I've noticed that for many of us, the season of survival has put some things on hold in our life. And maybe you're like me, and there are some things that you need to stop waiting to change. We're going through this sermon series through the gospel of Luke, seeing Jesus. And I want to look at uh, some specific verses that we get in the, in Luke chapter nine. Now I know we're uh, supposed to be in Luke 12 and 13 this week, but I asked Glenn, if I could go back to Luke nine for just a moment, because for me, that's when the entire gospel of Luke changes. Theologians pretty much agree on this, that in Luke nine 51, the tone of the entire gospel changes. It says this, As the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Another translation says he turned his face towards Jerusalem. Until that time, it was about his, his early life growing up and then his early ministry and teachings and the calling of the 12 disciples. But now he's going to go to Jerusalem 
to face the Jewish authorities. He's going to be crucified. On the third day, he's going to raise again. The temple curtain is going to be torn in two. The Spirit of God is no longer going to reside in a building, but in the lives of believers. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It all changes. It all changes in that moment in Luke 9.51 when he resolutely sets out towards Jerusalem. His mission has gotten really serious. And what I want to challenge you today, maybe there's some things in your life you need to resolutely set your mind and efforts to. You see, we get a a picture of the twofold mission of Jesus in Luke 9. Look at verse 57 with me. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, what I love about the gospel of Luke I know you've been studying, so you probably already are familiar with this, but a little review. Luke was a first century physician. The the Koine Greek that this was written in was much more complex to translate because he was a very educated person. He gives us details that we don't get in other gospels, and he was most likely hired by this guy, Theophilus, we know from chapter one, to write this two-part book, Luke Acts, to tell the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the beginning of the early church. And the details we get in Luke 9 that are very unique here, I believe show us this twofold mission and play on some things from the Old Testament that we're going to discuss. Verse 58, Jesus replied to this, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. That that he tells him that you can meet my physical needs. I have no place to lay my head tonight. Part of the twofold mission of Jesus that every believer is called to is to help meet the physical needs of our community. Purpose Church has definitely been doing that for many, many decades. But he goes on, verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Makes sense, right? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. What? He's playing off some things in the Old Testament that we'll look at, but he says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The urgency to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of God at hand, was so needed He says, you don't even have time to go and bury your father. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He so resolutely set out to the mission that he's called to. It was time to stop waiting on other things in his life because there was such urgency right now. Do you have an urgency to your faith? Some of us, We need to stop waiting to resolutely serve God. That's what I want to talk about. Will you pray with me? God, we pause and we just acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit all over the globe right now. In our homes, as we're watching on our TVs or computers or mobile devices, God, we, we pray right now that we're not just watching a service digitally. We are participating in the global church and we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit even in our homes and in apartments. God, I pray that you would take my words away, replace it with what you have to say to us through scripture. Minister to us uniquely this morning. Please, Lord Jesus, we beg you. We pray this in your name. And all God's family said, amen. Amen. Now, I think that it's so important that you stop waiting to make changes in your life because waiting can cause problems. When you know that you should do something and you don't do it, It can cause major problems in your life. 
I know this firsthand, man. I've got children. I'm constantly like, hey, hurry up, put your coat on. We're going to be late. Hey, hurry up, brush your teeth. You know, yes, you have to wear socks with the shoes. Give her, come on. I don't want to wait anymore. We got to get in the car and then we'll be late and it causes problems. One time, uh, I actually took our family to Disney World and we were in uh, outside of Magic Kingdom. You've never been to Magic Kingdom. Uh, you actually, it takes a long time to get in there. It's not like Disneyland here in Southern California. And, and we were very tired and exhausted. It had been a long day. You actually have to take a train in and other things. It's, it's exhausting. So we, we finally get into to Magic Kingdom. We spend the day there. We do all the activities. We have all the fun. And we know we need to get out of there. But we don't want, really want to leave because we paid all the money. But my son Jet that I showed you earlier, he was still about three years old. And we were pushing him around in this little umbrella stroller all day. And he was getting grumpier and grumpier and grumpier. And we knew we needed to stop waiting to leave but we didn't want to leave because we were having too much fun. And then it happened. My son got upset that he didn't get the cupcake that he wanted. And we decided that we need to get him out of this park immediately because we have waited too long. And as we're trying to get out, he begins to throw a fit. And he's a really strong little kid. And so he's in his umbrella stroller and his feet could touch the ground and he starts digging his heels in and I can't push the stroller. So me being the dad that I am, I'm like, no, no. So I'm going to figure this out. I pop that umbrella stroller back. He's riding a wheelie through Disney World, baby. And I am pushing him. He can't stop. Well, he now realizes he can't physically stop it. So here's what he does. I'm not making this up. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs. Help! Help me! Someone help me. I got like people staring at us. I'm looking for security guards. I'm like, Lisa, we got to get out of here right now. We had waited too long and it caused some severe problems for our family and frankly scarred me in a little traumatic experience. I think for some of you this morning that spiritually you have been waiting too long. And when you do that, it makes you a little grumpy. And you've been getting spiritually grumpy in your life because you've been waiting too long to do what the Lord has asked you to do. I got three simple points for you. It's real simple this morning. Through uh, Luke 9, I want to show you some ways that you need to spiritually stop waiting in your life. Number one, you need to stop waiting to serve others. Like We don't have to question whether or not we're supposed to serve others to help people in need, to meet physical needs, part of that twofold mission. There's no question about it. Uh, remember verse 57 and 58, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, he's like, okay, that's great to hear. But if you want to be with my disciple, he says, foxes have den and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Make time to care for a need right now today. Who in your life do you need to be serving? If you're married, that's an easy answer. You know, you need to be serving your spouse rather than looking for them to serve your needs. Stop waiting and talking about the things that you're going to do one day. For the parents, stop waiting to meet the needs of your family the way that you need to. For the children, stop waiting to meet the the needs of your parents and your grandparents. In the workplace, to stop waiting to serve others before yourself. The life of a Christian is one of sacrifice, one where you put others' needs before your own. This isn't the guilt trip morning. I'm being honest that spiritually speaking, it's easier sometimes to avoid serving others and not make time for them. 
We have so many things that can distract us in this life today. Endless hours of Netflix and Disney Plus and phone apps and other things to get away and escape what we should be doing, the things we should be putting our time and energy into. And Jesus says, can you just meet my need right now? And then he's going to encourage them to meet the needs of others. It's reflecting back earlier in chapter 9, in verse 1, Luke said this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, look at this, he told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. I just love that he put no extra shirt too. He's like, you're going to smell really bad. Just nothing. Take it. You get nothing with you. You don't need an even a carry on. Uh, I just flew into town here. I, I, you know, you don't even get a carry on bag to bring with you because whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Verse four, verse five. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They were called to the mission of Jesus. That's why he's out and doesn't have a place to lay his head. And he says, trust that the Lord is going to provide. You focus on serving others, and in this case, bringing the good news to others, proclaiming the coming kingdom of God, that God is at hand, that he's there to meet you, that you're never alone again to help you with what you need. But you don't need a staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. I'm trying to picture what the 12 disciples responded like. I'm sure they weren't like, oh, this is awesome. It makes total sense to us. I'm sure Judas was, was probably uh, no money. Are you serious? Like, how's that going to work? Thomas was probably doubting, like, how are we going to eat? How, how are we going to eat? We're not going to be able to eat. Who's going to provide the bread, right? And then Peter's, he's only worried about the no shirt because he's a real sweater. But, you know, I wonder for some, we all have our excuses and reasons we don't leave and do what the Lord is calling us to. But the urgency in the gospel of Luke, it's so, so important you understand that as a follower of Jesus, you cannot wait to be obedient to what he's asking you to do today. Now, hear me. There are things in our life that we need to wait on because we don't know what the Lord is speaking to us. And we don't need to rush into decisions. Absolutely. But we can know that we can serve others today and that we need to stop waiting to do that right now. Right now. What does that look like in your life? If Jesus came to you and said, I need you to leave today, right now, and take nothing with you, what would your reaction be? Would you freak out? Would you have a panic attack? Or do you say, no, no chance, not doing that? I think that's probably what most American Christians would do. I got too many things going on. I don't have the, the time, the energy to do it. Why are we doing this? What, you know, what, what, good, what good am I going to get from this? There's never a better time than now to serve others. Stop waiting to so, for, serve others. And number two, stop waiting for a convenient moment. Like some of us are like, yeah, I totally love it. I want to serve others. I wait for the chance. Show me that opportunity. Uh, well, God's going to align the stars. Everything's going to come out. Everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to know this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Look, you may not know your specific calling. I had a moment where I was called to leave Southern California and plant a church. Why the Lord didn't tell me to go to San Diego or Hawaii, I will never know. But I responded 
but you may not know your specific calling. I, I've only had those amazing, big, God-appointed time moments, kairos moments is what we call them, a few times in my life where I just knew what he was calling me to do. But we all have the general calling to help those in need and proclaim the kingdom of God as, as Jesus demonstrates here in Luke chapter 9. And we need to stop waiting for a convenient moment. Verse 59, he said to another man, remember this? Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's like, I know it's really inconvenient right now. It makes sense. You want to go bury your father. I don't know about you, but that makes a whole lot of sense to me. And he's like, no, you don't understand. The urgency to serve in the way that I'm asking you to to be obedient is now. I'll find people all the time that will say, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to start tithing, but I need to have all this stuff figured out first. I, I would love to start uh, working on my marriage, but, but I, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on first, and we're going to wait for that vacation. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love to start uh, getting deep into Scripture and, and learning more and actually reading the Bible for myself rather than having someone feed me. I'm going to feed myself, but... But, you know, I just, I got a lot going on right now. And we make excuses and we say, well, I want to wait for that convenient time. And we got to stop waiting for it to be, it's never going to be convenient. That there is a part of following Jesus that is just inconvenient. And Jesus told us that in Luke 9, just a few verses earlier. Look at verses 23 and 24. Then he, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He uses the analogy before he's been crucified, even before he resolutely set out to Jerusalem in verse 51, to show us that you're going to have to do the very same thing that, that he did, to pick up your cross daily and follow him. Remember, he, he carried that cross a mile up a hill where he would be crucified to it as an atoning sacrifice so that we could be forgiven for anything in our lives. And he's saying, I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do. But sacrifice in our lives sometimes means giving up and serving Him even when it's not convenient. Even when I have things that I'm worried about and concerned about. And by the way, the older you get, that doesn't get easier. In some ways, it gets harder. Because you've had hurts and pains and traumas and experiences. And you've got valid reasons why you can put some of those things on hold in your life. But this is all over Scripture. Paul says it in one of his early letters in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Part of being a disciple, and the disciple is the word methetus, and it just means learner, a learner of the ways of Jesus. And part of being a learner of the ways of Jesus is being willing to pick up your cross and saying, I have died to no longer live. To die to yourself and to say, I'm going to live for God first, others second, and myself third. What needs to die in your life in order to stop waiting and start living God's best today? We have to stop waiting for a convenient moment. Stop waiting to, let me give you some examples here. Here's just a few. Maybe you've got others. Stop waiting to read the Bible. You've been putting that off. The new year started. You read a few verses, but now it's February. That's when you got to, to Leviticus and you gave up. I want to encourage you. Stop waiting to read your Bible. Stop waiting 
to find community and live on mission. Purpose Church is fantastic at this. If, if you don't have a group that you're a part of to grow in faith, hope, and love, to become the person God created you to be, to not be alone in this world, I want to tell you that you can find all kinds of different groups here at Purpose Church. Reach out today. Mark it in the comments that you want to, you want to get involved and find community and live on mission. We need to stop waiting to, to serve others like I described earlier. That, that means in your personal life, yes, but then even in the local church, to stop waiting to work with other people in the church to, to serve, whether it's here on a weekend, or to serve out in the community, to meet the physical needs, to proclaim the gospel. We only get so many years on this planet and we don't know how long we're going to get. You may get another 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, I don't know, or it may be next week. The reality is we got to stop waiting to serve others. And finally, stop waiting to commit to a local church. One of the things, I, I've, I work with a lot of young people and I notice this all the time. We float wherever, mainly because if you're you know, looking for that special someone, you're going to go find them at church. Nothing wrong with that, but you just float around and you never commit to a local church. Part of following Jesus is in community and you have to commit to a local church. Stop waiting at a convenient moment and trying to find a perfect place because it doesn't exist. It will not exist Get involved and say, I want to live differently than the rest of the world. I'm going to stop waiting for a convenient moment. I'm going to get plugged into the local church and live on mission because I want to be a part of the body of Christ. The foot by itself is worthless. I need to work with the rest of the body. See, I think that sometimes we give up hope of what Christ could actually accomplish in our lifetime. You know, Glenn shared earlier that we planted 23 churches. We planted 22 churches in the state of Indiana in the last four and a half years. Some of them, we, we sent out hundreds of people to plant churches. We, we have seen thousands of people reached with the gospel. The church just got planted. The first church was planted just over 10 years ago. We now have over 3,000 to 3,500 people that call the Mercy Road family of churches their home church, in addition to the thousands of others in the Multiply Indiana churches, a separate nonprofit we started. And I don't share that to pat ourselves on the back. I want to tell you that the, the good news of Jesus that was relevant in the first century and that was relevant 50 years ago is still relevant today. And he's still on the move. And, and, and I look at the worship center here at the Pomona Church, and it's like, unbelievable the opportunity that you're going to get in the coming months because I'm telling you it's going to be such a cool experience that you can invite your family and friends especially the younger generations to pass on that torch and I can't wait to see what the Lord will do and, and, and because of that we as his followers need to stop waiting for a, a, a convenient moment and the opportune time you don't have to wait till you get into the worship center to lead people to Christ let me tell you some stories. Guys, I'm so serious about this. When we first moved to Indiana, we didn't really know anybody. And we just reached like, found 10 people that came and were going to help us start the church. And then we just started finding anybody that we could find anywhere. And it is inviting them over home to tell them about Jesus. You don't have to plant a church to do that. You can do that in your house. And what we saw was unchurched people beginning to open themselves up. And in the early days, the church actually didn't grow that fast. But eventually we started reaching very broken and unchurched people. And it led to radical life change. 
And I remember in our, our second uh, birthday celebration of the first church that we, we were doing baptisms. We had this little lease building and we were doing baptisms. We had to do it in the lobby in a horse trough. And, and we didn't have warm water. We just fill it with the hose water. It was just ice cold. And literally, like when you got in, you would die with Christ and raise with him. It was awesome. And we were baptizing people. We baptized 12 people at that birthday celebration. It was a spiritually moving moment where I believe, like Luke 9, 51, everything began to change in our church. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but, but in that moment, as we were worshiping and baptizing people, we had just finished and we were singing Amazing Grace on an acoustic guitar and the building began to shake. Now you're like, that's called an earthquake, Josh. We have those here in California. No, this is in Indiana. And while there has been earthquakes there, not many, this was not an earthquake. I checked. I don't know how to check that stuff. Uh, We even had the engineer that owned the building come and look at it and they could find nothing wrong with the building. And to this day, we look at it as a spiritual moment where God shook that place in a sign of these 12 people giving their life to Christ and being baptized. And it all started with just a, a few people in a house. And then out of that, that, we ended up buying our first building and opened it up and we reached hundreds more for Christ. And, and then the snowball effect of like when you're actually reaching people who don't know Jesus, what happens? So when Jesus resolutely sets out, he knows he's going to the cross in Jerusalem and he tells him, meet my physical needs tonight. Uh, you need to go and proclaim the kingdom vocally uh, with your voice and, and then you need to do it without looking back. Point number three Some of you need to stop waiting on your first let me list because you're you're looking back and you've got things that you need to do first. And I want to tell you the way that Jesus resolutely set out is the way that we should. And I believe uh, in Mercy Road Church, we have done many things wrong. (laughs) We've done many things wrong. But the one thing we have done right is responding to the voice of Jesus. You want to talk about seeing Jesus? You want to see Jesus show up? Begin to serve him in your community. Get involved. Don't just attend a worship service or attend an experience here online. Actually get involved in the local church. Get involved in your community. Begin to, to, to minister, to stop waiting for everything to align in your life before you do it. You know, we began to see people come to Christ. I remember one of the first guys, he was an agnostic person who with Jewish background, he, he wanted to meet with me. I talked with him. He, wait, he wanted me to like convince him to become a Christian. I told him I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to talk to him about Jesus. And we began to meet for the next two and a half to three years. Uh, he called it a small group. It was just the two of us. And we would meet and talk about everything. And he began to pray. He wasn't a Christian yet, but he began to pray. And over time, he began to hear from God in his life. And he eventually surrendered his life to Christ and got baptized. And there was this radical life change that happened. And then he became a leader in the church and he began to minister to others and even to eventually disciple others in his life. It's the process of disciple making that you see. But if you don't make time for those initial meetings when he had the questions, none of that would have happened. Do you know that just last weekend we baptized five people and, and, and uh, three of them were not planned. They just decided to get baptized in their clothes. And one of them was a young man around 20 years old who had just been 30 days sober. And he had given his life to Christ about a week or two earlier uh, through one of our services. He had grown in his faith and he was in a recovery program. And he prayed a prayer for the first time in his life, he prayed. 
And he, he had physical problems that his kidneys were failing because of his uh, drug addictions. And he prayed, God, please heal my body and I will serve you. He went back to the, the doctor that week and all of it was gone. First prayer he ever prayed. I think he's probably going to pray some more. But, but making the time to say, I know it's going to be even inconvenient for us to figure out how to baptize you today. He was like, no, you don't understand. Jesus changed my life. I need this. I need to do this. And so we did it. So we had to say, in our church, there's no first let me list when it comes to being obedient to what God has set before us. Luke 9, 61 and 62 again, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If we go back to this verse 61, it said, first let me, first let me go and do this. And it's, it's actually playing on uh, verses in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 19, you may remember the story of Elijah. I know you've studied, or Elisha. I know you've studied Elisha before. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. This is when he calls Elisha to, to be the next prophet. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So this is when Elijah is handing on the baton to Elisha as the next prophet. And Elisha was just this farm boy that didn't know this was coming. And, and he said this, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Elisha said this, and then I will come uh, with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Scholars say that he tells him to go back in 1 Kings 19 and that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is playing off of this story. And he's saying, Elisha had time to go back, but you don't. Things have changed. Things have changed since the prophets of the Old Testament. There is an urgency now. We live in the time where Jesus now, we for us as followers of Jesus, Jesus could return at any moment. And our job is to live out the gospel with urgency. There is no first let me list. Even Elisha the prophet got an opportunity to go back, but you don't have time. And some of you have been putting it off. As a church, you have a unique opportunity to come up that you won't ever get again in the near future. As the new worship center opens back up, we come together and the, oh, it's going to be so cool, man. I wish I could be here. I wish I could be here. But when it opens up the opportunity, it's the easiest moment to invite a family member or a friend. But it doesn't even have to wait until the worship center opens up. You could start connecting them now to what the Lord is doing. And for those attending from different parts of the globe online, connecting them to this online experience and creating community online. There is no first, let me, I got to get some things figured out in my life. The opportunity to do it is now. But let's go deeper than that. Some of you have been putting things off spiritually for a really long time. And you know it. And things in your life are not good and you are far from God, and you have some addictive habits, or you've got some uh, uh, problems in your marriage, or you've got some problems at work, and you've got some things that you're embarrassed or ashamed about that you don't want anybody to know, but our Heavenly Father knows. And the time to turn to Him and ask for help is now. It's now. We had a, 
a man in our church who came to church and he was contemplating uh, some very serious things in his life. And he came kind of as a latch-dish effort because uh, somebody invited him, a a friend. And he came to the service. And God broke through time and spoke to him. And rather than making some really horrible decisions in his life, he surrendered his life to, to Christ. And formerly, he had been a, had some white supremacist tendencies even and had repented of that and had chosen to surrender every aspect of his life. There was no, I'm going to put anything on hold. I'm going to do this now. And some of you need to do it now and to stop waiting. Jesus replied, verse 62, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Are you fit for service in the kingdom of God? Are you? Look, you're not not fit because you've got some baggage in your past or you made some poor choices or you have sin in your life. The reason you're not fit is because you haven't fully received the good news of Jesus Christ for you today. And to say, I'm going to do it with urgency and I'm going to start living for him in all aspects of my life, man. I'm going to stop putting things on hold. Like that man who surrendered his life to Christ, it takes dramatic life transformation to say, now is the time. Stop waiting. Start somewhere. But I got other things. No, 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 no. Yeah, buts. Now is the time. Finally, Luke 9 verses 22 to 24. He got rid of his, his first let me's, his yeah, buts for you. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. The way that you save your life is by laying it down. And some of you, you've been waiting a long time. And like a toddler at Disney World, you've been getting grumpy because you've been waiting too long. And you need to stop putting it off. And you need to open yourself up. Because the Spirit of God has been urging you and speaking you and you've been waiting and avoiding. And some of you, He is calling you to another place on the globe to be a missionary. Some of you, He's calling to your community. Some of you, He's calling you to commit to a local church. Some of you, He's calling you into Pomona itself to make an impact that will last all eternity. It's time to stop waiting. Let's do it together. Will you pray with me? God, I pray right now, first of all, for the believers out there, If they have anything in their life right now that they have put on hold, you resolutely set your face towards Jerusalem and said, now is the time to go to the cross. Now is the time to fulfill my mission. And some of them have been waiting and you have called them to something specific, to start a new ministry, to live on mission, to help their family member or friend, to serve others, to encourage someone at work. I don't know what it is, God, but God, right now, make it clear to us, we beg you, And help us to serve you in that way in our lives. We surrender. Say this, I surrender that to you, Jesus. There is no thing I will wait on in this world to be obedient in this moment to that action. And then for those out there that maybe you you clicked on this link, you've been watching this video, and you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never actually laid your life down. You've heard about him your whole life. 
You've heard people talk about him. You even know the gospel. You know that Jesus was crucified and rose on the third day so that you can live eternally in heaven. But you still go to bed at night wondering what's going to happen when you die. The Bible tells us you don't have to live that way. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess Jesus as Lord with your lips, that you will be saved. So pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess that I need you. I repent of putting this off in my life. I'm going to stop waiting. And right now, I, I, I surrender everything in my life to you as Lord. Use me, Jesus, for decades to come to make an impact that will last all eternity. I give you my life and pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen. Amen. Thanks for letting me join with you. I can't wait to continue worshiping. But I love you all and stop waiting to serve God in your life.